Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host. So this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we are rebroadcast and redistributed on all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for listening to us. No matter how you're listening to us, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, we definitely thank you for joining us here tonight. And we do have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. And like I said, we do have a lot to talk about tonight. We got hockey playoffs. We got basketball playoffs. We welcome, uh, apparently, I'm just supposed to call him like this, so I'll do it. Larry Schmelrose is here tonight, so we thank him for joining. Like I said, we'll be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. I guess the biggest story of the day is uh, yet another um, – I don't know if you want to call it attack, but another instance where baseball's unwritten rules get talked about way more than they should. And I know I, I didn't even think we were really going to focus on this that much, but Dave sent a text thinking that me and Eric were going to argue about what happened last night. For those who are unfamiliar with what happened last night, the San Diego Padres were leading 10 to three in a game. And the Padres got the bases loaded. Uh, I, I'm not even sure what inning it was. It was late in the game. Um, let me see. Uh, it was in the eighth inning. Fernando Tatis Jr., one of baseball's young budding stars, is up at the, the, the plate. He's got a 3-0 count. Now, if you followed baseball for any length of time, you know that 99.9999999999% of the time, if a player has a 3-0 count, three balls and zero strikes, they, there's, the take sign is usually on. You rarely see a player swing at a 3-0 pitch. This is something that has driven me crazy as a Met fan over the years because no matter what the score, 3-0 pitch, player takes the pitch. And what bothers me about that is that the majority of the time, the pitcher knows that the batter's got the take sign, so he puts a fastball right down the middle. And you almost never see a batter take advantage of this. Well, supposedly the manager of the Padres, Jace Tingler, had put – that's a funny-sounding name, by the way. Um, the manager of the San Diego Padres had put on the take sign Supposedly, Fernando Tatis Jr. missed the take sign, and he hit a grand slam, his first career grand slam, over the wall. And this has been a big ado. Uh, I did not think this was a big story, but the man who is joining us right now apparently thought me and Eric were going to get in a big old argument about this tonight. So Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. I'm doing good. How are you? All right. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think I'm going to disappoint you. Um, because here's the thing. I feel like while we may disagree about how we get there, I think both me and Eric don't really have a problem with what Fernando Tatis Jr. did last night. I'm going to be honest, because I don't necessarily have a problem with what he did. Now, the way that we're going to get there, it might be 
some heated discussion in there. But even that, the, the, see, it's funny because we're talking about baseball's unwritten rules again. But, um, well, I want to hear your take. Like, what stuck out about this to you? Like, what made you want to hear me and Eric talk about this tonight? Because, I, honestly, I always feel like when we get down to the unwritten rules, you two tend to be on the opposite side of them uh, a lot of times. So I had a feeling, if I had to guess, I felt that Eric would be like, no, nah, fuck that, swing the bat, hit, hit it out of the park. And had you, I had a feeling of more of you being like, well, he could have taken the first pitch and let it, you know, let the at-bat continue to kind of see what, where it would go from there. I mean, that really kind of is the unwritten rule. And, you know, like I kind of just – I kind of pictured you guys going that route. Um, well, but you, I am happy to hear that you say, like, that you don't think what he did is wrong because, to me, first and foremost, it was top of the eighth inning, which means mm-hmm. they had – Six more outs they had to get to actually win the game. And I may not watch a lot of baseball, but I've seen, you know, five, six, seven, eight run innings from teams before, including in the bottom of the eighth and ninth inning. Happened against the Mets last year. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah, Yeah. no, no. What was it? Uh, The Mets were up 10-4 going into the, the top of the ninth inning, and they blew the lead completely and lost the game. One of the worst losses I've ever seen the Mets had. It was in September of last year. So, yeah. A, that point right there, the fact that that game is far from over. Sure. And B, the guy's never hit a grand slam, if I read that correctly today. Well, he's so, only been – this is only his second season in the majors. So, yes, it is his first career grand slam. He's only – this is only his second season, though. So, okay, so yeah. can you blame the guy for not being excited that he knows he's getting a 3-0 pitch, most likely close to down the middle, if not down the middle, and mm-hmm. could potentially hit this shot? No, you cannot get mad at him for that. <laughs> and three, when it's all said and done, the game ain't over until it's over, and mm-hmm. this is professional fucking sports. If you get mad about that shit, then don't let your team let the bases get loaded. Don't have your pitcher get the guy go up 3-0 in the count. And don't have your team losing by six runs. Like, get over it. Yeah. And then to have his own manager say, nah, that's not – he really shouldn't have did that, blah, blah, blah. And, like, players and, you know, and then this kid has to come out and apologize. He's He apologized more than the entire Houston Astros team did. <laughs> and I guarantee what you he was – that is nonsense. This yeah. whole that's why I mean maybe that's why I was so excited to hear you guys talk about it because mm. I was freaking pissed. I was like this is bullshit. This kid's in his early 20s. He just hit his first career grand slam in a game that was still going. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. oh sure. my this and then this, he apologized. they when they got him to apologize that shit was where I was just done. Fine. The other manager wants to be mad. Fine. You're more mad because your team got their freaking asses kicked. Sure. Not because this player hit a grand slam. Get off mm-hmm. your fucking high horse. Yeah. And his coach to ask him or tell him he has to apologize. That manager should be upset with himself for asking his own player to do that for playing baseball. Yeah. Sorry. But, that should just piss me the hell off. Well, if I can throw a couple things in here. 
I don't remember us actually going back and forth on the unwritten rules that many times. I know when it comes to certain rule changes, I've been a little more traditional. Like when it came to them changing the rule with relief pitchers where you have to pitch to uh, at least three batters before you get taken out. I was against that. I'm against the idea of playoff expansion. So maybe, maybe that's where you think that I, I'd be a little more against them. Here's how I've always looked at the unwritten rules. They are wonderful ideas. They are great guidelines that teach professionalism, sportsmanship, the right way to carry yourself, uh, acting like you've been there before. I do think certain people get too carried away with the unwritten rules. Like, to give you an example, um, the idea of showing up a pitcher on a home run. So I guess it was like six years ago. Bryce Harper hits a home run off of relief pitcher Hunter Strickland. Three years later, Hunter Strickland is facing Bryce Harper at the plate, and he throws a bean ball at his head. Maybe you remember this, this kicked off a brawl. Bryce Harper threw his helmet at the guy. That's taking it way too far when you're remembering this shit three years from now. Or the idea that a pitcher is just pissed off because he threw a bad pitch and a and a hitter capitalized on it, that's when it gets a little too far. I do think the unwritten rules serve a purpose. I'm sure Eric believes that too. I think they get taken a little too far, though. This issue to me is not just about the unwritten rules. This issue is about running up the score, which is not just a baseball thing. It's a baseball and football team because, let's face it, the only manager, coach, whatever you want to call him, who seems to be exempt from running up the score is Bill Belichick because we all know he's just trying to put his foot as far onto the throat of his opponent as possible, especially when that opponent is the New York Jets. But this, you wind up hearing about running up the score, especially in college football, all the time, I feel. So this ain't just a baseball thing to me. But as far as, you know, Tatis himself go. What you said about the manager saying that, you know, he had put on a take sign and that Tatis didn't see the take sign. I'm sure Eric is probably, I would bet Eric is going to say that the manager was lying about that. Here's the thing, though. If you've watched baseball for any amount of time, when it's a 3-0 count, three balls, no strikes, which is what the count was here, 99.99% of the time, the manager's putting on a take sign. That's not just a this situation type thing. That is no matter what the score is, the vast majority of the time when it's 3-0, the take sign is on. And it's always pissed me off as a Met fan because generally the pitcher knows it's going to be a take sign, so it's a fastball down the middle, and the guy don't even take his, his uh, bat off his shoulder. That's always bothered me as a Met fan. So I, I can give him a pass on that. The Tatis thing. Him saying he wasn't familiar with the unwritten rules, I can't. That's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life because his father was Fernando Tatis, who played 10, 15 years in the major leagues. Anybody who's been around the game knows that this is an unwritten rule, and the idea that he didn't know it, that line is garbage. I don't blame him for what he did. I would have had more respect – for that particular answer, if he would have come up and said, 
Listen, it's a 3-0 count. I didn't see the sign. I'm just trying to put the bat on the ball. I'm trying to put the ball in play. I'm trying to get something good. I wasn't necessarily going up looking for a grand slam. I just wanted to put the bat on the ball, get a good hit. Because that makes sense to me. Because I don't think he went up there looking for a grand slam. Can you, do you agree with that one? I hope he went up there looking for a grand slam. <laughs> well, and I have no problem with running up the score because it's sports. You get paid to play the game. Well, I'm not saying I have a problem with it. I'm just saying you get that this is not just a baseball thing. This is a football thing, too. I, fuck all them unwritten rules. All right, fine. Outside of spitting in people's faces or trying to kick somebody in the groin or, you know, do things that are legitimately potentially harmful to another human being with the Golf only has a lot of unwritten rules. to hurt them. No. Outside of that, I, I can't. Is Larry I can't. is Larry Schmelrose trying to get in on this argument? Golf has a lot of unwritten rules. What what'd you say? The game basically runs on it. Golf. A lot of unwritten rules. Yeah, but I Yeah, but it's golf. It's an old man's game. It, it is. <laughs> it really is. I mean, really, the best players in the world are not old men. But in general, it is an old man's game. Mm. Yeah. But remember my base point here. I don't have a problem with what Tatis did. I, I don't. And because you said it perfectly. If you don't want the score run up on you, if you don't want a player to do something like this, play the game better. Because I'm sorry, how many times have we seen the Mets get blown out in the last month? You think, you think I'm, it's one of those things when you're the team that's having the score run up against you, you cry and moan and scream as loud as possible. Oh, that's horrible. How can you do that? But if you're the team winning, hey, you just play the game. I'm in the camp. But just play the freaking game. You don't want that happening to you. Don't freaking serve up beanballs. Exactly. Yeah, I just I, like I said, the fact that they got him up there apologizing for it just I don't know, that really bothered me. I can see your point with the concept of like don't tell me you didn't know it was an honor. Yeah, that's bullshit. That, like that that I could definitely see like you said. His father played in the majors. The kids played baseball since he was how old? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they have a freaking uh score what's it called? A uh, um you know, a, a run a run rule in Little League and, you know, younger oh, the levels. mercy of rule. Mercy. Yeah, the mercy rule in younger yeah. levels of not just baseball but most sports. But, like, so you know these things as you're growing up. Like, yeah. so that, that part, yeah, I, I don't think that's true at all. But the fact that kid even had to apologize or was told mm-hmm. to apologize or felt he should have to apologize, that was nonsense to me. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, listen. If they told him to apologize for it, yeah, no, that's 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 crap. But unfortunately, and like I said, the unwritten rules, in my opinion, are nice ideas because they do teach certain values to you if you apply them the right way. I've always felt like they do wind up getting taken out of hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I know Eric said he was going to be a few minutes late here. Um, you got anything else you want to bring up in the meantime? I mean, can we just talk about how insane what Damian Lillard has done over the last week or so in basketball? And that play-in game, I think, was an awesome freaking thing, and I think the NBA should start considering that for when you have, like, the, you know, 8, 9, and maybe 10 
even if you have the 11 seeds, all of them are within, you know, X amount of games. Like, you keep it close, like, have to be within two games of each other or something like that. Like, I think that would be – I think that was a really cool, um, you know, setup, and I liked how they did that. And John Morant is going to be a special player in this league for a long time to come. That kid is special. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. I didn't get to watch a lot of basketball this weekend. Uh, I've been kind of uh, stacked with a lot of work uh, where I work, so there's that. But, listen, we all know what type of player Lillard is. Lillard's an amazing player. Um, So the fact that he's getting to show what he can do in the bubble right now, I, I think is great for him. I would like to see Portland maybe do a little bit more to surround them with some better talent this season because, you know, I, I can respect what Mello has done since he joined the, the Trailblazers, but I just think his supporting cast, he's got decent supporting players, but he don't have anybody really on his level. Like, he, he doesn't have that dynamic duo partner that you see with so many teams across basketball now. I mean, the best player he's really got is uh, C.J. McCollum. Sure. Um, and C.J. is a pretty solid two-guard, but I will agree with you. Like, McCollum kind of reminds me of DeMar DeRozan. Like, a guy that is really good, but he's not somebody that you would call a um, a superstar, I guess mm. is the best way to say it. Not a, not a well-rounded player. Like, he's got – he excels at certain aspects, and the ones that he does – he does, he does really good at those. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. I would actually call McCullen a less inver- lesser version of DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, just what Lillard's done, I mean, I think over the four-game stretch when they were still playing to get in, he averaged, like, 52 points a game. Um, he, I think it was somewhere around seven assists a game, he, four rebounds, like, two steals, like, the guy was playing out of his mind. I mean, he had two different shots where he basically just dribbled across half court and pulled up. Like, and I don't know. What he was able to do is nothing short of impressive. And do I don't think they'll be able to beat the Lakers in the first round, but I do think they'll be able to give the Lakers headaches. The sad part is they could still get swept and just lose by an average of, like, six points a game. Um mm. Because, like you mentioned, with the supporting cast he has around him, you're going to need guys that truly can step up. And, you know, they do have an okay roster. Like, they're not – It's not a a bad roster. Horrible roster. It's just they're not – they just don't have the talent you'd like to see for a playoff push, Mm. especially, you know, when it comes down to having to match up against the Lakers first. I mean – Nurkic is all right. Mello's all right. They got Whiteside. He's all right. Like at least defensively. Like, but they're not really working with much. After that, their probably best player is Trevor Ariza, and we all know Ariza. He's not anybody that you. Uh, Isn't he not with the team? Didn't he opt out of the season? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was. I I was looking at an older version of the roster. Yeah. Sure. So I, I mean, like. And to me, a lot of it could just come down to, like, what kind of defense do you get out of Mello? Like, if Mello steps up on the defensive side of the ball, you got three guys between him, Lillard, and McCollum that can put baskets in. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think they beat the Lakers. Uh, I'd probably take the Lakers in five. Um, 
But, like, I still think that each game should be a pretty close game. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Especially now you got no home, no home court, really. So I could definitely see that. But he's here, ladies and gentlemen. He is here. We'll see if he is ready to join. Uh, is that 2020 or is that Eric Tressler here? I do believe it is Eric Tressler. Eric? It's the year that never ends. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? As good as 2020 can allow. <laughs> All right, so we were talking a little basketball here. I don't know if you want to go on that thread, but I'm sure you saw uh, Dave's text from earlier because we kind of started off talking about the Fernando Tatis situation from last night, and I personally did not think you and me were going to disagree on the base point. You didn't have a problem with what Fernando Tatis did last night, did you? With uh, hitting a grand slam? Not necessarily. With anything else? I mean, swinging at a 3-0 pitch? Uh, yeah, I'd Eric, back, back me up on this because I said this earlier. You've watched baseball almost as long as I have. Probably watched about the same amount of time, truthfully. When's the last time you saw a player not get a take sign on a 3-0 pitch? Well, I mean, no, there, there are players that don't get the take sign. I mean, again, and when you're up. Oh, I, I, I guess I'm just watching Met games. They always, they always get the take sign on the 3-0 pitch. There's a, there's a few times where if you get – if it's a close game, if it's something else where we've had some sluggers up where they've, they've let them pull the trigger 3-0. So, I mean, it, it's happened. But the majority, but of, the, majority of the time, it's a, it's a take sign, right? It's all, yeah, it's a, it's a take mm -hmm. sign because yeah. you, you got you to gotta force the guy to throw a strike. Sure. You know, if he's going to give you a free base, you take the free base. I mean, that's just how it would go. Like you said, a majority of the time, there are the few exceptions – but those exceptions don't come when you're already up seven runs. So I can see where both players are coming from because, listen, if you got a chance to hit a grand slam, take your chance to hit a grand slam. If you're getting a meatball over the middle of the plate and you know it, crush it. I don't have a problem with that per se. I just have – I don't have a problem with either side, really. The, the biggest issue I have is people taking issue with it. He did, you know, he missed the sign. I don't think he really missed it as much as he saw an opportunity for a grand slam one day. Can you blame him? I can't. So, um, you know, does Machado deserve to get thrown at next? Probably. Because if I'm that pitcher, if I'm that other team, and you're already up seven runs, and you jack one out on a 3-0 pitch late in the game, I'm going to be pretty pissed off too. So you got to expect some type of retaliation. That's the way baseball works. You can't get up and fist fight people. You can't charge them. You can't fight on the ice like you can in hockey. But the one thing you can do, throw one up and in. Throw one at his backside. Make that next guy take a walk to first base if that's the way you want to play it. I don't have an issue with it. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I got, I got no problem with either side. Good for Fernando. And I think that they did the right thing by – Drilling the next guy up. See, honestly, see, it's funny. I think Eric, I think Dave thought I was going to be more on the side of the unwritten rules than it, than it feels like you are with this. Because what I said Agreed. was, yeah, uh, I said, listen, I the unwritten rules, and I, I said this before, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I'm going to say this for Eric. 
I've always felt like the unwritten rules are great guidelines that teach professionalism, sportsmanship, acting like you've been there before, the right way to handle yourself. I do feel like they get taken a little too far. Something like what you just said, hitting the next guy up. First of all, it was a different pitcher in the game. So the, the manager would have had to tell the pitcher, hey, you need to drill the next guy. Me personally, I would have just waited till the next game when it was the actual guy who did it. And then you hit him to hit Machado, who wasn't even up at the plate. That's not something I would have done per se. I would have taken it out on the guy who did it, not the guy who was in the bat, who was in the on deck circle and had nothing to do with it when it was happening. That's just me, though. What do you say, Eric? Yeah, I don't have an issue with it. No, because I mean, Machado's their highest paid guy. He's the pretty much the face of that franchise right now. No, Tatis and, is. Tatis is yeah, a better Tatis player. Tatis is young. He's a better player, but he's still young. I mean, Machado's still your 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 big dog. So hitting him the next guy up, I have no issue with that. I I think he's the right guy to hit. If you're not going to hit Tatis, I, I like the fact that you would hit you hit Machado and not the ninth guy in the lineup. To me, Machado deserves that. Machado's got to take one for his teammate. Let me ask you something, because I know Dave had a problem with the fact that it felt like uh, the, the team made Tatis apologize for what he did. When Tatis was saying he was unfamiliar with the unwritten rules, Eric, I think you and me can both agree, when you have a father who played the game for 10, 15 years and you grew up around the game, even us just, just watching baseball our entire lives – there's no way you didn't know that was an unwritten rule. There's no way you didn't know that. I'm not, I'm not saying I had a problem with what he did. I'm just saying you know that line is bullshit, right? Yeah, I'm not going to argue that the line is, Yeah. you know. I, again, I just don't have a problem with what either side did. I think everybody's fine in that situation. Everybody handled it the way baseball should be handled. Mm. That's baseball to me. Right. I'm happy. Dave, you got anything you want to throw in? I mean, like I said before, I, honestly, I, I, I'm proud of the kid for hitting the Grand Slam. I'm glad he hit the Grand Slam. I just don't like the fact that he had to apologize for it. I don't think there was any need for no, that. No, but he shouldn't have apologized for it. That's where everybody's wrong. Is he, he doesn't owe anybody an apology. He didn't do anything wrong. He played his game the way he played it. That's what he did. That's the, nobody should fault him for that, and he shouldn't shouldn't have to apologize for it. He's not wrong for hitting a grand slam. He should be happy and excited. So the fact that he came out and apologized to me is bullshit. If that's what he did, I didn't hear the apology, but if that's what he did, it's bullshit. If I were him, I'm going up to the mic and I'm going, "You see how far I hit it? It was awesome. I love it. Like, uh, be proud of it. If that's what you chose to do in the moment, be proud of the moment." That's don't fair. walk it back after the fact. I still don't think he – like, I don't think anybody goes up necessarily looking for a grand slam. I think he was just looking to put the ball in play. But Tatis is a great player. So if you have a strong enough hit and the, the pitch is just where you want it to be, you're hitting the ball over the wall nine times out of ten. Tatis is that good. I don't necessarily think he went up looking for a grand slam, though. That's my thing. What do you say? I do. If you're swinging in a 3-0 pitch with the bases loaded, you have no other reason to swing at that pitch but to swing for defenses. I mean, you could just hit the ball far and you have bases clearing double. 
you're not happy with that. That's not why you're you're not swinging at 3-0 to get a basis clearing double when you're up seven runs. Sorry, that's not what you're swinging the bat for. So what you're thinking about is the two RBIs. You're thinking about the four RBIs. That's what everybody would be thinking about. All right, fair enough. Any final thoughts on this before we move on? Okay. No, I Yankees, I they're, rolling. they're rolling. What are you saying, Dave? I said I hope that's what he was thinking about. I'm going <laughs> to knock the snot out of this ball. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, yeah, if go it ahead. wasn't, you'd be disappointed, right? Hell yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a stake in that game one way or another. So, I mean, they're already up 10-3. So, if it's a bases-clearing double that scores three runs as opposed to a grand slam. I mean, that's a, I, here's my one thing. It's great that the kid got his first grand slam, but I will say one thing. The grand slam is more meaningful if you're down like 4-1 to one or something and you hit a grand slam that puts your team back in the game than if it just makes the score 14-3. to three. That's my I just call thing. bullshit. I call bullshit. In the, in the grand scheme of the game, yeah, maybe it matters more in that game. But for well, that's anybody, what I'm talking, your, that's what I'm talking hitting, about. For hitting, and for hitting your grand slam, though, anytime you can get your first one, you mm. get your first one. Like, sure. The first one is always the sweetest. He's going to remember that first one. He's going to remember how he caught that first one. It's a hell of a way to get a first one. So I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying I have a problem with it. And I get I get what you're saying. I just think, obviously, you always remember your first on that. I get you on that. But I'm just saying, if you, like, say, bottom nine, two outs, bases loaded, you get the grand slam there, you're down 4-1, 4 nothing, tie the game up, win the game, walk off grand slam. Yeah, you always remember your first. That's legendary shit right there, though. Mm. How many guys have done that that you don't even know their names? You don't even remember their names. I mean, it's a rare so, I mean, thing. It's, it's a rare – it's a very rare thing. That's why I'm saying – and we're talking we're, – we're just, we're, we're just nitpicking right now. But I'm just saying, to me, that that's more memorable, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, okay, you brought up the Yankees. You want to talk about the Yankees for a second? No, just how well they're doing. I don't know if you've taken notice. I, I, yeah, yeah, they're doing great. I, I'll tell you this. I, I, the one thing that always kills me, Mets have one injury the season's freaking over. Yankees have like 17 different injuries, and, you know, they just keep getting contributions from everybody. I swear to God, if the Mets had a player like Mike Talkman, they would have cut – They would, he, he would have went one for 17 in his first three weeks. He would have been out the door, and you never would have heard of him again. He comes to the Yankees, and now all of a sudden, Mike Talkman has to be in the lineup every game. I just Glenn I, Frazier, don't forget about him. Glenn don't Frazier, Sanchez <laughs> had a three. Sanchez even had a three-game homer streak, you know, recently for as bad as he's been playing. Well, so I mean, yeah. Well, the, just the Talkman and the Urshelas are what kill me. Because oh, I and feel, Chapman looked pretty good last night in his return. Well, it's good to see him back. It's good to see him back. I like Chapman. But I'm just, I'm just saying that, 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 that because the Mets get guys like a Gio Urshela and a Mike Talkman all the time, and they do nothing with the Mets. They come to the Yankees, and now they're probably going to be your starters for the next five years. And it's just, I, it just, I think this shit like that just makes me shake my head and go, what the fuck is wrong with this world? What what is wrong with this world? Honestly, so I I know with you all is right with the world because I swear to God you guys are great at shining up shit and turning it into gold. 
But I, I just, we get shit, and guess what? Five minutes later, yeah, it's still shit. So that's nice. That's nice. You got anything else you want to bring up, Eric? No, I mean, we covered how shitty the Mets are and how great the Yankees are. I'm pretty good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Eric's like, I can call it a show if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, want, I, I don't want to talk about the Mets per se because just, I, you know, I, I don't care that they won last night. David Peterson is now on the disabled list. DeGrom's going to get in a car accident tomorrow. His season's going to be over. That's oh the way that God. goes. Yeah, yeah. Tell me you can't see that happening. Especially I Mets and scream though, Mike. You're better off just saying he falls down the stairs or something. Jesus, a no, car. I didn't say. Wait a minute. First of all, you guys forget the Mets history with car accidents. Okay, it happened to Tom Glavin one year. It happened to Duanier Sanchez in 2006. Mets have bad luck when it comes to taxi cabs. All right, that that's historical. Listen, yeah. You can look that up. You know who? You know who the only guy to die sliding into home is, right? I can't wait to hear this. Who? Come on. You don't know? I feel like I'm going to know the second you say it, but go ahead. Billy Martin. Billy Martin? If I'm not mistaken, didn't he die driving his car into his house? Or into somebody else's house? I know he died in a car accident. I didn't know that, but that's, um, that is morbidly funny. I got to be honest. That, is, that's, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Oh, I boy. yeah, Eric, you just killed the whole fucking show. Um, oh yeah, I'm, listen, it happens sometimes. Yeah, that, well, normal. <laughs> normally, I'm the one who makes everybody go silent. So thank you for taking that one. Listen, I'll, I'll take it if if the worst joke of the night is about Billy Martin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me right let me bring up something Met wise here. This whole ownership thing, because I've been reading a bunch of articles because they've been talking about it on the fan. I think all Met fans would like to see Steve Cohen win the ownership. But now you got this report coming out that we all knew this. Jeff Wilpon apparently hates Steve Cohen, wants to sell the team to the A-Rod group. Now you also have sexual discrimination lawsuits filed against Steve Cohen's uh, firm that he runs, which if Steve Cohen does buy the Mets, he has to be approved by all the owners. And given how the first round of negotiations went between Cohen and the Wilpons back in February, when that all fell apart, the fact that he had uh, violations levied against him from the SEC about seven years ago, there was another sexual discrimination filed in 2018. So now you got two cases this year, one in 2018 against Steve Cohen's firm. Now you got to question whether or not he can get approved if he wins the bid for the Mets. And you also have a question as to whether or not Jeff Wilpon will simply sell the team to Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez's group just because he doesn't like Steve Cohen. I I don't even really know where to go on this. I just want to say this because it's just, just... Why does everything have to be a fucking three ring circus goddamn dumpster fire when it comes to the goddamn Mets? Like, honestly, who, who let Jeff Wilpon be in charge in the negotiations? I don't understand why he'd be the one running the show and making the final say on who the team sells to. That makes no sense to me. It should be Fred Wilpon and Sal, Cal, um, Sal Saul Katz. That's his name, right, Eric? Saul Katz? Should be, Saul. Yeah. 
should be those two making the call on the team because they're the ones who freaking bought the team and they're the actual owners, not the idiot son who just stands to inherit the team if Fred Wilpon freaking keels over and dies. He shouldn't be the one making the freaking – you know he's a goddamn moron. You know he can't do anything right. Why is he the one who gets to make the final say? Who let this idiot decide that he can make the final say? That's all I want to know. Somebody tell me this. Not I can't answer. Yeah, thanks. Just, that just Wouldn't it be his dad? Well, I, I swear to God, either his dad's in a fucking coma or Jeff locked his father in a room and doesn't plan on letting him out until September 1st when the bids are supposed to the day after the bid, final bids get submitted. Either way, everything's got to turn into a goddamn shit show. I swear to God, just sell the team. Be done with it. I don't even care that you guys are still going to have 5% ownership stake. I get that. That makes sense. 5% ownership stake doesn't mean anything. Just get the hell away from the goddamn team. Please. This is their whole life, though. Why would they? This, they don't want to give it up. You just say you're the one who's been saying since December they didn't want anything to do with the team anymore. You're the one who said this when the story Jeff, first broke. The rest of the family doesn't. Jeff does. Yeah, because Jeff's a moron who knows if he actually had to fend for himself, he'd be working at fucking Pizza Hut, fucking up orders. I didn't ask for anchovies on his pizza. Yes, you did. No, you didn't. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. I don't like Jeff Wolpon. I really don't. The man, like, honestly, I, I you know, when it came. I, Are you that, ready to call, I'll call him a worse ownership than the Knicks? Not really, because James Dolan. I am. I, I, no, I just think Jeff Wolpon's a moron. And I think Dolan's a moron, too. But the Mets have made a World Series in the last 20 years, despite Jeff Wilpon being in, in control. D James Dolan wasn't happy until he took a team that was a perennial playoff team and turned it into the laughing stock of the NBA. The Knicks were a hallowed and sacred franchise. And then James Dolan takes over, and now they are the joke of the NBA. I, I, the one thing the Wilpons got going for him, it's like, dude, the, unfortunately, it kills me to say it, the, the Mets have never been considered a winning team. They've never been considered a winning team. they got two championships. Late 80s. Yeah, late, late 80s. 80s. But I'm just saying this is a team who lost over 100, uh, lost over 100 games five of their first six years in existence. So I'm just saying I feel like the Wilpons had less of a threshold to get over Dolan took a team that was a, a revered franchise. The most famous arena in the world is their home. And the Knicks are now looked at as the biggest joke in the NBA. And they did that over the course of the last 20 years. Yeah, I think it's on the upswing, though. I think the next 20 are going to be better. Listen, I, 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 the optimism is great. I do think you have to see something before your statement becomes validated, though. I'm not saying it can't be validated. I'm just saying Leon Rose and Worldwide West just took over. You know, I, the Thibodeau hiring is a good hiring. You got to see something a little more concrete before your optimism is validated.
Is that fair? Yes. Okay. All right. Fair. We got to see more, but I think you'll see it. So I'm confident in that. Yeah, I'm just looking at what uh, Larry Schmelro is put in the chat. I'm sorry. Hopefully, if my it's light- something hockey related. No, he just he he got on me for my language, and he said Jeff was in this chat once. He said he's a good buddy of his, and they got along. Oh, him and Jeff are good friends. Yeah, oh. I, yeah, sure. We should invite Jeff back. Maybe next week, Jeff will Jeff will join us. <laughs> we can give you an update on how. To I will. Oh, I will only go along with that if you do it in character. I want to see you do it in character. Like, you have to study press conferences that Jeff Wilpon has given. You have to get the mannerisms down. You have to get the voice down. And I think that would be something to behold. We suck again. I think I got it down. You sounded Chinese. Eh, it's all right. Close enough. You sounded like the – actually, you were going for the guys from Major League, weren't you? The groundskeepers. That's what you sounded no. like. No, I was actually going for – I was going. To, <laughs> if you must know, I was going for Rob Schneider's character from uh, Waterboy. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I can if see you must that. know. That's I where I was it. going. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I get that. You can do it. You can do it. Yes. Again. <laughs> we suck again. But see, it's funny because whenever I think of the Mets and the season going wrong. I automatically think the uh, the um, the Asian groundskeepers in Major League, how they go to the fans across the city and the fans are all optimistic, and then they go to the groundskeepers and they're talking in Chinese or whatever language it is. We're shitty again. They're still shitty or whatever it is. That's what I always think of. I didn't even remember about Rob Schneider until you said that. I haven't seen Waterboy in a really long time. But you love quoting the Adam Sandler things. Like, honestly, what was the line from Billy Madison you brought up? couple months back now every time i see that meme i automatically think you quoting that whole thing on the show oh the the wine I yeah again right now i'm not that good yeah I'm on the spot yeah i wasn't i wasn't saying um you contributed uh may god have mercy on your soul that's how it yeah happened. yeah yeah, yeah, from, yeah. The, from from the decathlon yeah, and he I, gave the rambling speech that about uh, about um, a, the story it? about a dog. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, but it was about economics. It was about you know the the current climate of like U.S. economics or something. Mm. Honestly, it's been so long since I've seen Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, I wouldn't even have remembered it was from those movies unless you had said it. Like the the movies I always liked Adam Sandler for, and it's no no disrespect to those movies because I like those too. Uh, Big Daddy, uh, Happy Gil, uh, excuse me, uh, Water Boy, and I feel like there was another one, but I can't remember what it was. But those were the ones that I always really liked. Well, you have Happy Madison. Did you say that one? I mean, listen, for whatever reason, I saw those movies after Water Boy and Big Daddy, and I feel like I only saw those movies once or twice. I liked them. Don't get me wrong. I definitely liked them. But for some reason, they were never movies I really went back and revisited. You know what I mean? All right. No, I got listen. Happy Gilmore, I can revisit over and over again. That to me is an Adam Sandler classic. As far as I mean, we could even do a top ten list or top top three or four list anyway of Adam Sandler movies. 
sometime you, if you guys wanted because did you guys I think see, he's got some good ones. The early ones. Anything he's done lately, I've been a little iffy on. But, did uh, you guys see, did you guys see Uncut Gems? I did not. I did want to though. So I, I saw it. I, I thought I saw it. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was I didn't think it deserved the hype that it got. That movie was a trip. I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, that movie was a trip. I'm just going to say that. I feel like if I say anything one way or another, it's going to spoil it for Eric. That All movie right, you can spoil Mike. it. Listen, I, listen, it's been out Mike, for months. Eric, mm. Mike, Eric, let's get off movies. There's NBA playoffs. There's NHL playoffs. Thank you, like, Dave. Thank you for refocusing. Let, oh, let oh so, this is, so, this is so this is my fault. So this is my fault. Okay. It's not anybody's fault. All we right. just need to refocus. All right. We got too much sports All right. to get to. Six months ago, we were whining that we had nothing. Let's keep it going, gentlemen. I, I got to be if honest. Larry Smellrose wants to come on. Let's bring him on. Talks I want to say that I want to say this real quick. Right we can bring Larry Schmelrose on. I like those shows where we kind of had to stretch to figure things out because it showed that we could we could come up with shit on the fly, and we were never like in my opinion we were never stretched for material. We didn't have sports. We came up with other shit to talk about. It showed our versatility as broadcasters. Nobody's knocking those shows, Mike, but it's not this is what's going on. It's That's this fair. Sports zone, right. baby. Let's roll. All right, so let's look at the, the playoff matchups here. Denver beats Utah up one nothing in their first-round matchup. Toronto beats Brooklyn. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Boston beats Philadelphia. Close game, 109-101. Clippers beat Dallas, 118-110. And then tonight you got OKC and Houston going right now. Portland and L.A. going later. Orlando and Milwaukee, they played earlier today. Orlando, shockingly, beats the uh, Bucks 122-110. to And Miami with a one nothing lead over the Pacers, 113-101. to What you guys got? Well, I mentioned before, I do think the Trailblazers give some trouble to the Lakers, but I'm still going to take the Lakers in five. They might even still sweep them. I just think Toronto will be able to keep the games close. Orlando beating Milwaukee without two of their best players playing uh, was really shocking and, uh, you know, kind of shows you why a lot of people don't know if Giannis ends up staying in Milwaukee. Um, but that's a conversation for, I think, after the season's done. I think that's when he starts uh, contract negotiations and all that. But I think the Houston OKC series is just interesting with the fact of, you know, Westbrook leaving, and when Westbrook left, they gave Paul and the Thunder like a 0.2% chance to even make the playoffs, and now they're the five seed. Um, so that's a young team with Chris Paul leading them. So I, I think Houston takes that series either way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if there's a specific series you guys want to go into. If you want me railing through what I think for each round or each series, like I don't know. I don't want to just well, we talk. Could do, we could do brief though. overviews. I want to I want to say this real quick because I love Giannis and everything. And yeah, I get the two of the best players were out and everything. But you still, I mean, you look at the lineup. Middleton's still playing. Bledsoe's still playing. Brooke Lopez is still playing. I love Giannis, but I remember a couple years ago, he made the quote that he didn't even think he was at 60% of his potential. I still don't think we've seen Giannis at his best because here's the thing. You look at the stat line, 31 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists, and it's weird that I'm saying this off of that stat line. I still don't think he's the type of player who can dominate a game 
for a team and single-handedly carry them to a victory the way a LeBron can when he's right, the way a Kevin Durant can when he's right, the way even a Steph Curry can when he's right. I don't think he's at that level yet. I still think he's got farther to go on that. And until he can do that on a consistent basis, as much as you know, he's got the MVPs and everything, and as much as we all look at him as that next star, he ain't there yet, in my opinion. All right, well, if we're going to say something like that, I got one for you and Eric to answer. Okay. You're going to start a franchise right now. Are you taking uh, Luka Doncic in Dallas, Giannis, or are you going to – um, Devin Booker? I'm striking Devin Booker off that list. I would put Say him – Say the three I, again. Say him again. Uh, Luka Doncic. The uh, I'm, I think I'm ruining his last name, but Luca out in Dallas, Giannis, or Devin Booker, or you can scratch Devin Booker and go Damian Lillard instead. I don't really care. I think I I still think it's between Luca and Giannis. If I'm being honest, I'm going Luca. If I'm starting a team right now, Luca's a point guard. Luca's. One of those guys that's got, got the right edge. I don't know. Me personally, puts up nearly a triple-double, leads the team, seems to to know everything younger, a little bit younger even than than, than the Greek freak. So I, I, if you're giving me the choice between the two, say we're playing pickup basketball and there are two guys to choose from, I'm picking Luca. Well, you know, that's that's a very good trio you got there. I'll say that. Um, I think the knocks on Lillard is that he hasn't been able to carry the team that far. I mean, we just talked about the type of roster he has around him. The the fact I mean, he's playing like a man possessed. Right? Oh yeah, no, no. Hey, listen, Lillard I can't is one take of the anything away from his play right now. Right oh, yeah. now, he might be the best guy playing in the NBA. I, I mean, his talent looks unreal right now. Game time is all, is all over the place. So. Sure. I mean, you know, sure. Good for him, sure. I, listen, he's easily one of the five best players in the NBA. No question on that. But all I'm saying is he hasn't been able to take a team. Like we were talking before you came on, Eric, about how it would be nice if they got a little more talent around him because he doesn't have that true second, you know, the Batman, the Robin to his Batman like you see other teams have. You look at LeBron, yeah, he had other guys for a long time, but he did wind up taking a Cavaliers team to the finals by himself that had guys like Zadrunas Algaskis and Eric Snow and all those guys on it. I don't look at Lillard as being that type of player because he just hasn't been able to do it. Uh, but, but I love Lillard, though. I mean, I'll say that. You know, I want to say Greek freak here. I really do, but it's very hard to go against uh, Donich, Doncic, yeah, Luka. Um, because you look at what he's done in two years, in two years, and I'm still saying Greek Freak is developing. I got to wonder where Donichick is going to be when he's, I, I, well, I don't know ages, but when he's been in the league as long as Greek Freak has, you know, he could be the best player in the league. So I think right now you look at his potential, I'll go with Luca. Yeah, I, I was hoping at least one of you would take Giannis so it wasn't a clean sweep. But Lucas and Mike, just to help you out, Lucas 21 years old, and this is actually his sixth year as a professional basketball player. He played overseas, right? Yeah, and they let you start playing at 16. Mm. So he's already 
technically played, obviously not at the NBA level, but technically played almost six full years of professional basketball. I could be wrong. Wasn't Giannis playing overseas before he came here too? I think he was too, but I don't think he started as young. I can't remember, but I'm taking Luka as well. But I, obviously the NBA is in seriously good hands with some of these young players coming up. Uh, Eric, I mentioned it before, like that play-in game, Portland and what Lillard was able to do to get them that win was unbelievable. But there is no denying C.J. McCollum is going to be someone special in this league. And he's, what, 19? Oh, yeah, I think, I think you mean John Morant there, bro. I'm sorry, yeah, John Morant, my bad. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, that kid is going to be something special. He remind, when, I watched the, when I watched that game, he reminded me of a young Kobe. And maybe has a little bit of a better jump shot than Kobe does right now, or did at that age. Eric, you there? I he muted himself. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize I did that. No, I said he has a killer mentality. He's he. I don't know. He's ball smart. He he knows the game well. He facilitates. Where don't get me wrong, I love guys like Giannis. I love other guys around the league. It just seems like Luca does a little bit of everything. And with that youth still there, and he doesn't seem to be injury prone so far, knock on wood, you know, it, he he looks like something special. He looks like what could be one of, if not the best European talents to come out in a long time. And that's hard to say when you got guys like the Joker, you know, and, and you know, also with Portland, you got Nurchik, um, who who's a hell of a player. Um, it's, yeah, I... I don't know. I think – and Porzingis. I mean, Porzingis has been playing well. I, I I don't know. It's hard. It's – but I, I don't know. I like I like, I like them all, honestly. But if I you – know, again, I keep saying if I had to go back and pick one, I'm taking Luka right now. Mm. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add basketball-wise there, Eric? Let me ask you then, since we're talking about some of these young stars – who would be the first to win an NBA championship? Would you take Luka to, to be the first? Would you take Damian Lillard to be the first? Would you take the Greek Freak to be the first? Who Who is the young talent in the league that's going to be the first to overthrow some of these teams that have been at the top for a while? I mean, I want to say it would be the Greek Freak simply because I think the Bucks are a little far farther ahead in terms of putting their team together. Um but it would be nice if they could, if all the talent could actually mesh together. And I, I think the pandemic and the, the pause on basketball really hurt them because I feel like if they were able to, you know, play the season the way it was originally intended to be played, I think they make the finals hands down. I think the fact that you had the pause and now you got this type of, uh, this type of uh, playoffs – I think this kind of hurts them a little bit. I think the Mavericks are at least two years away. And Lillard, I don't think he's ever going to get there unless he gets a different supporting cast around him. So just by default, I'd say the Greek freak there. What are you yeah, saying, Dave? I mean, honestly, that's I would just lean that way just because Luca and – you know, Devin Booker and uh, Joker. I mean, some of these younger guys that are in the league in the West, keep in mind, they're in the West. Like, 
that their road to the finals is harder. Yeah. Where Minnesota, uh, I mean, Milwaukee has, I don't want to say the easy, well, but yeah, they have the easier path. If you're going to compare the East to the West, the East is not as strong as the West is. So they have the easier path. And I think that's why you have to lean towards uh, or have to say out of the three, you know, those couple younger teams, you got to lean towards uh, Milwaukee because they just have the easier path right now. What do you say, Eric? I got to be honest. I'm going to go a different way. And I honestly think it could be Luca and Porzingis in Dallas. Yeah. I think they give in a couple of years. I don't think the Greek Feeks win this year. I don't think he's going to win it next year. I don't think that that, that that Milwaukee team is good enough to beat any of those teams in a final in a seven-game series out west the way they're built right now. So unless they do something, get some different talent in there, I just don't see how any of them beat any of those teams out west. So I personally – I'm going to switch it up and say if one of those teams can upset them or get past them, I think they have an easier finals opponent with right now whoever comes out of the East. So, I – yeah, I'm going to go that route just because I think that you have two what could be generational talents that are both still in their early 20s um, with – or at least in their 20s with Porzingis and uh, – you know, Luca. I, I just think that that's an awful lot of talent. If they could put any other pieces around those guys to build off of, they're going to be a really dangerous team. I mean, you got a guy who's what seven foot, over seven foot tall, who could shoot threes. You got Luca, who could do anything you can need him to do on the court, rebound, can almost defend any position. I mean, they're they're a tough out for anybody. I, I don't know. I just. I can see down the road them being the team to, to compete with, especially with those guys and the talent. Again, given Porzingis stays healthy. Do you think Dallas has a shot at upsetting the Clippers in this first-round matchup? A shot, but this isn't their year. They're still too young. Um, in my opinion, this is this is Paul George, this is Kawhi Leonard. Everybody knows it's kind of like they're – they seem to be on a head-on collision to, to for the Western Conference Finals with with the Lakers, and you know, I, I just see that the way the way that everything's going to play out. I just don't think this is the year. But if you ask me, within the next five years, I think they might be able to get one in the next five. You know, three four years from now. Mm. Especially so you figure, how much longer you from that LeBron point? Goes. LeBron's retired. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I'm rooting for the Greek freak to be able to do something in the next couple of years. I Listen, I think they have a strong team around him. It's just there's a lot – like there is no second superstar there. It's just really good players. It's about team chemistry. If one of them goes down, I don't know if the bench guys can really pack, pick up the slack for it. There's a lot of factors there. And I don't know if you guys agree with me. I said it before. I would have liked to have seen what could have happened for them this season if the pandemic was, wasn't here. You know, if the season didn't get stopped when it did, I feel like the, the Bucs could have walked to the, to the NBA Finals. What they would have done in the NBA Finals is anybody's guess. But I feel like they could have walked to the NBA Finals if the season didn't stop. What do you guys think on that? I mean, I look, I – you never know. Injuries, all the different things that can happen. Um, I think 
it definitely hurt Milwaukee. They were playing good basketball when the season stopped. They were looking like they were going to basically stomp through the East. But at the same time, you just never know what can happen. So, I mean, the pandemic did happen. And right now they don't look that good. And Orlando's a young – they're just one of those young, scrappy teams. Like, they might lose the steer, series, but they might push it to six or seven games because – they really are just a young, scrappy team, and that's how they play. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? Eric? Oh. oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Hopefully he comes back soon. I don't know what happened. Um, you got anything else you want to say basketball-wise there, Dave? Um. I mean, look, I could talk basketball all night long, but I, I'm, I do kind of got to wrap it off, up soon for myself as well. So We got anything we want to say about hockey real quick? We do have Larry Schmelrose here. I mean, like he's mentioned in the uh, – Yeah, what happened with Tuka Rask? Uh, so I didn't hear about Tuka Rask, but the Islanders being up in the series and trying to close it out tonight with the sweep against the Capitals – on Sunday, they won a crazy game in overtime where they're um, – I can't remember the goalie's name, but made two huge saves um, in overtime, like right back to back, and then literally – Is it Thomas within... Grease? Thomas Grease, is he the goalie for the Islanders? Uh, Schmelrose, tell me if I'm wrong there. I feel, like uh, he was yeah. the goal... I feel like he was the goalie for Islanders at one point. Oh, yeah, he made two big saves, and then um... – the uh, Islanders within like a minute and a half of that went down and scored to win the game. So it was just it, instead of a 2-0 lead, it could have been a 1-1 series, and now they're looking to close it out uh, tonight. Mm. I'm going to try to look up real quick uh, what happened with Tuka Rask here. Let's see. He's still on Boston, right? Tuka Rask had uh, a newborn before all this started. Ah, okay. And uh, they asked him if he felt all right. He said he felt all right. And the Islanders have Semyon Barlamov in that at this point. Uh, oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, he left because, uh, uh, you know, the newborn, and he thought he was going to be able to handle it. But, uh, you know, his head wasn't in it. Still playing well, still, still doing good things, but he wasn't like too grasp. So mm. he decided that it was better to go. And uh, Halak's a good backup, but he's just, you know, when they play teams like the Lightning and things like that, mm. you're not going to be able to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you got any favorites in this particular round of the playoffs here? Uh, I still, you know, Dallas uh, was still my pick prior. And they're tied 2-2 in their series. They're up 2-1 right now with a uh, minute 53 to go in third. Um, I really like Tampa. You know, there was one team that was a high seed that had another. You know, Columbus had a mental edge over Tampa. And had Columbus won that five-overtime game to start the series, they would have kept that mental edge. But when Tampa scored that goal to win the game, uh, I think we were on the phone when that happened. Well, while it was going on, but the overtime didn't happen till about finished till about nine o'clock. It's about a six-hour game. Uh, once Tampa scored the goal, you felt uh, just a, a relief. You could see it on the bench and everything, because you, know, you know. They got knocked out by an eight seed last year, and that eight seed was Columbus, and Columbus came for their head. But right now they're up 3-1, um, and they're just – they're beating them with skill. 
uh, you know, Columbus blue collar team works in certain situations. It's not going to work against Tampa Bay Lightning this time. They caught him by surprise last year. Uh, but now that Tampa's got that mental edge back, it's, they're going to roll them. I think Tampa Philly is going to be uh, the two teams to watch out of the East. Philly's got, I think, the best goalie in the tournament right now. Uh, and I didn't anticipate that coming in. Well, all these series, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the records right now. You get, you only got two really close first round matchups: the Calgary Dallas series, which is going on right now, tied at two two, and the Vancouver uh, St. Louis series, tied at two two. They're playing tomorrow night. So every, everyone else, it looks like I, I don't know if these guys were the favorites going in, but Tampa Bay's up three one, Boston's up three one, Arizona's up. Uh, excuse me, Colorado's up three one. Yeah, I think. Uh, one thing that uh, the only bad thing that came out of the round robin and the qualifiers that was uh, Arizona was able to find a way to upset Nashville. I think Nashville just made that a better situation. Arizona was able to find a way to win. But, You're coming uh, in a little muffled there, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes my finger gets over the phone. But uh, like I said, I think Arizona finding a way to upset Nashville was the only bad thing that came out of. Uh, the qualifiers because I feel Nashville, Colorado would have been a much better series. Mm. Fair enough. Eric is back now. Eric, you got any hockey thoughts? No, I'm just happy to hear Larry Schmelrose ha- able to call in and give us some insight. I mean, Nobody better weird. in the business. Nobody it's better weird. in the business than Larry. My phone never really gets below 25%, but every Tuesday at six, I look at it and uh, it's at 6% somehow. Every Tuesday at 6, got to charge it for an hour to make sure I can join in. Sometimes I'm late. But uh, I think that Gary guy, uh, let's Gary, Harry, Barry, I think he sabotaged me. You know? So they know we're around, boys. He's gonna, he knows I'm coming for him. <laughs> nice. Nice. So they, who else is uh, – what else is going on in the hockey world there? If I know you're giving us a rundown on the playoffs. Well, we weren't able uh, – you know, we weren't able to go too in depth in the first round pick the Rangers got. Uh, I think the kid's going to be a good player, but he's comparing him to Crosby because he scored the most goals as a rookie in the QMJHL since Crosby. But what people fail to mention is Crosby had about 150 points. This kid's eight. So, you know, uh, it's just starting to lean to where they're selling jerseys of their first picks in hockey and they're pressuring guys to get in lineups too soon. I think Hughes would have benefited from being down in the minors or a major junior team for a year or two. I think Kako might have been more ready than Hughes, uh, at least size-wise, but, you know, maybe he benefits from a little, uh, maybe a little building, but I don't think so much with Kako. But it's just, I feel like this kid's going to get tossed into a lineup too soon. And the Rangers getting it is great for the Rangers. And he's going to be a good player, I think. You know, I think what I heard he was compared to, to was, wasn't necessarily Crosby, but I heard he was more of like not on a Crosby or Ovechkin or any of that kind you of said like Stamkos. I you heard said, more of a Stamkos yeah. level, like good. Yeah, or a Jack Eichel. And Stamkos, believe me, Stamkos's career would have been a lot different if he didn't keep getting injured. Um, Stamkos would be known as one of the greats, uh, but in the in the, the prime of his career he kept getting leg injuries and uh it just didn't work out but uh you know th- there's a chance i mean a healthy stamkos is a totally different career and the kid could be good but i just feel like the expectations are too high for first year players in the nhl right now it's almost like uh guys coming out of college for football it's just jersey sales and ticket sales and trying to get people to believe that 
the kid can make an, uh, an impact on a bad team. The good thing for the Rangers is they're a middle-level team right now, but uh, for me, adding good blue liners is more important uh, to their success than getting this kid in the first round of the draft, to be perfectly honest. Mm. You know, and now, that's not with bias. It's just looking at their team. I, I don't think they've had a really good blue liner, like a solid guy that they, they can lean on since Ryan McDonough. Well, let me ask you something, though. Like, from everything I've heard, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this subject by any stretch, so you said they, they need a defenseman. Is the draft the place to get a defenseman, especially when you have a high pick like the Rangers did? No. Also, also, I thought they were pretty high, Fife, if I'm not mistaken, on the defenseman that they have. I think they have a couple young defensemen, but one kid, Fox, I know they think they traded for him last year. It's his first year with the Rangers, maybe. They and do. I heard they, have, they were pretty they have some... high on him. What I think they need is they, they have some young guys and stuff like that, but uh, you're looking at a team that's got a Panarin. Panarin doesn't want to wait to win. They have some players where they can actually make a push. If they get a number one, a solid, solid number one blue line uh, back there, look, you know, Brent Burns is, what, 36 years old right now maybe? Uh, and he's got, you know, maybe a little, I don't know. But he's, he's signed until he's – it's a big contract, and he's signed until he's 40. But he's the best defenseman in the NHL, in my opinion. And, I, you know, I'm not saying you trade the first overall pick to get a Brent Burns. But, like, if the Devils were to sign Brent Burns somehow and put him next to P.K. Subban, I'd be a pretty happy guy. You know, and San Jose's in the bottom of the barrel. And uh, I don't see it being a stretch to be able to reach for a guy like Burns, you know. So, being able to pull so him out of there. just to clarify here, Burns is on San Jose? Burns on San Jose, yeah, he's, uh, uh, in my opinion, the best defenseman in the NHL uh, by far. I used, right. to, I used to have him on it my fantasy team. Sorry to interrupt. I, I used no, to have no him problem. on. I used to have him on my fantasy uh, hockey teams when he was on Minnesota. So that's how right. I had a touch on man. Well, he's been on. He's been with San Jose for a while. San Jose has been a powerhouse in the West. They just haven't been able to win, and now they're in the bottom of the barrel. Uh, the guys got older. That's why Pavelski's over in Dallas playing on the third line uh, instead of in San Jose. He's up the first line in Houston. Uh, their guys got older. They're, they're now at the bottom of the barrel. And a guy like Burns might want to be moved out of there. Who knows? You know, he's got kids. He might want to spend his whole career. I know uh, he's very big in the community there, and his kids play travel hockey there and all that. But I don't know. I could see him... <laughs> Maybe not so much like getting traded to the Devils because they're not ready yet, but when you add a top blue liner like that, I think to the Rangers lineup they have right now, and maybe another piece or two up front, uh, they have a chance to be a serious contender immediately. Well, depending I mean, on the long course goaltender situation as well. But if they can, I think Hank's done, but if they were able to find a way to squeeze another year out of him or put somebody back there who can be productive, then they have a chance. Now, let me ask you something because, uh, again, not not an expert opinion at all. But um, I had heard something that, you know, all it takes is you get one or two good veteran defensemen that you could plug in. You think there's anybody out there, like, free agency-wise this year who's, like, maybe not the best, like a Brent Burns or anything like that, but just someone who can solidify the blue line for the Rangers that they could add in free agency to kind of fill that gap? I guess I've always been a believer in that, uh, like, you need a true leader back there. Okay. Um, 
that's your, you know, it's one of the tougher positions to be the top guy at, you know, you're, you're, you're asked a lot physically, mentally. Um, and when you're a top blue liner, you know, you kind of have to be a leader. You're asked to teach the younger guys, you know, situational hockey and things like that, the NHL and how fast it is, uh, what to do in certain situations, where it's important to get the puck out, where it's important, you know, most important to not turn it over and things like that, uh, where it differs from the lower levels where they're playing. But uh, I just feel like you need a, a leader back on your blue line, and uh, that helps you be successful. I also grew up a Devils fan and watched Scott Stevens carry the Devils to three cups. So that's a big thing for me. I know it's a different league, but uh, a lot of guys if haven't been in locker rooms. You know, when you have that big top defenseman, a lot of guys look his way uh, in certain situations. Mm. On uh, no, that's true. I guess you're on that. All right. Any, uh, any final thoughts on hockey before we move on? Uh, I think, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say is that the blue-collar teams did well in the beginning, like Colorado or uh, Columbus and, uh, uh, you know, Carolina, but, like, Boston's built like a blue-collar team with talent. Around. And then uh, you're going to see the Islanders doing really well against Washington, but they have their old coach. I mean, if anybody was going to know how to beat them, it was going to be the Islanders. I think it's going to be a different story when they go up against guys like Tampa or Philly right now. Philly's flying. Philly right to me right now is flying. And I hope somebody can slow them down because I never want to see a Philly team like that. All right. Fuck the Flyers. <laughs> I agree. The only thing that ever came out of Philadelphia that was good was Allen Iverson and the Rocky movies. Right, and their cheesesteaks are just like their sports teams, you know, mediocre at best. <laughs> at, best. Roll with that one. <laughs> at best i mean there's a couple decent spots but i mean that's nothing you can name your city nothing you should name your city after <laughs> i get a call, i get something in seaside five minutes away you know does the just trick especially good. after a few just as good you, you put 12 beers on top of it and you never know the difference Nice. All right, man. Larry Schmelrose, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for enlightening us with your hockey knowledge for a few minutes, bro. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. All always right. a pleasure, Larry. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. All right. I, I guess Woo! we are. Sorry, Mike. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. I am a Ric Flair fan. Woo! Right Just for Woo! Larry. All right. Just for Larry. Yep. All right, so we're going to be wrapping up here momentarily here. Anybody else have anything sports-related they'd like to bring up? Shout out um, to Drew, Drew Pearson getting, finally getting his uh, ticket to the Hall of Fame. Oh, he got in? Yeah, they, they brought him in as a senior uh, member player thing. I don't know. I know I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called in, in football, but it's like the Veterans Committee in baseball. Yeah. 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 Ah, good for him. Good for him. That's awesome. What do you think about Gerald McCoy going down for the season? I mean, apparently, um, there was a specific clause in his contract related to, to that quad because the medical staff caught it on his physical that it was maybe not as strong as it was supposed to be or some shit. And uh, yeah, so they already uh, released him. Yeah, because that was a, a clause in his contract. If if it was a quad injury, that they could release him, and he would just keep his signing bonus. So I mean, yeah, it, it sucks, but 
it, it kind of just is what it is. Dallas has some depth on that defensive line, and um, you know, a lot of Cowboy fans are calling for them to cut Tyrone Crawford, but I bet they're pretty happy they didn't now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I tell you this with all the with all the veterans they signed though, it's kind of sad to see McCoy go down because I mean, they, like you said, they still got some depth there. But it would have been really something to see that veteran defensive line that they put together with Dontari Poe and who's the guy they just signed within the last couple of weeks? I can't remember. Alden Smith. Alden, not Alden Smith. They signed somebody else. Oh, um, Everson Griffin. Yes, Everson Griffin. They just signed them like over the weekend, I think. See, this weekend or last weekend, they signed him. It would have been so cool to see a defensive line, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy, Alden Smith, and Everson Griffin. I would have loved to have seen that. As of right now, we're just going to have to settle for three out of four. So. I mean, dude, you're throwing Demarcus Lawrence out like he's nothing. Well, <laughs> listen, you, Demarcus Lawrence is versa. You can put him on defensive end, maybe move him to outside linebacker, see what he could do there on certain packages and things like that. I would have loved to have seen what those four could have done. Imagine a line just those four. Like, yes, Demarcus Lawrence is better than all of them. Yes, absolutely. But just those four, especially if they still are even close to what they were in their prime. Yeah, like, you're, that's going, a collection. you're going back like five years ago, man. You're that's not happening. <laughs> Griffin, <laughs> Griffin is the most intriguing to me out of all of them because he's still got some juice left. Like you don't know what you're getting from Alvin Smith. I think Dontari Poe still got something in the tank there. McCoy ain't that far removed from bringing one of the top defensive linemen around. So I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe five years if you throw Smith into it, but I don't know. I don't know. All right. Anyway, if that's it, I'm going to bring up one TV thing, and then we can sorry. get out of it. Huh? Sorry, sorry to butt back in. Islanders up one nothing. There you go. There we nice. go. I love it. <laughs> nice. All right. I've got to be honest. I don't hate the Islanders. I don't know much about them because I don't really root for them. I don't ever really watch them. But I guess they're the most local team we got. You know, in the playoffs, shy of the Nets. I mean, I'd, and I'd much rather root for the Islanders and the Nets myself, you know, especially those traders going to Brooklyn. So I'm going to, uh, you know, even though I know that they tried to play in Barclays too, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, I'll I don't hate the Islanders. So go Islanders right now. There you go. I'm going to bring up one thing because I'm seeing it in the chat room. Cousin David, you did not tell me you don't have a Facebook account anymore. Otherwise, I would have told you when we were starting tonight. So my fault on that. But you got to tell me these things. I just talked to you on, on Sunday. So you didn't tell me this. But anyway, um, did anybody catch the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series finale this past week? Nope. No? I'm, I'm up to it, though. I just saw it on Hulu last night. I just didn't get to it last night. Yeah, um, yeah I think you're a little too early for us on this. I know it's... I know it just ended, and, and you're probably ramped up to talk about it, but I, I have not seen it yet either. Well, listen, so all I'm I mean, not ready yet. All I was going to say, I mean, we've said before we like this show, but we feel it's ending at the right time. Um, I, I, I still agree with that statement. It was a nice series finale. It had a very nice ending. But at the end of the day, I, we're all okay with the show ending when it does. So... You know, that, that's what I'll say. It's worth a watch, though. It's worth a watch. Yeah. That's all uh, I got, though. It'll be it'll be watched. Yeah. All right. Anybody got anything else they want to bring up? 
Nah, man, we're, I'm good. <laughs> Let's go, Yanks. Let's go, yeah. I'm just nah, excited man. for more. Yeah, excited for sports. I'm excited for the playoffs. Again, we're just getting into them. It's just getting started. Football is less than a month away. Things seem to be rolling forward with that. So I'm just, I'm just again, an excited sports fan. Yankees are, are tied for the best record in baseball, even with all their injuries. I'm a happy sports fan. I'm excited to have sports back. Mm. I'm excited to get sweating again. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I think that's going to do it for us here tonight. So I'll give you guys your final words. Dave Hastings, final words, my friend. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Until next week. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you next week. Eric Tressler, 2020 incarnate. What do you got? Fuck 2020. Stay sweaty. <laughs> Stay sweaty, my friend. Check and us I- out on Apple Cup Podcast, Google Podcasts, all the other podcasts and networks, Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you can find us. Don't forget find about TuneIn now. Don't forget about oh, TuneIn Oh, don't now. forget about El Presidente. If this guy ever wants to come on, pizza and beer on me. Love to have him. <laughs> you can have us for free. Why aren't we making a deal yet? I, he's, too, he's too busy doing his Davey Day Trader. Yeah, he is. We need, yeah. to, we need to hit somebody more low level to catch their oh, attention. Just, just, just remember. Just remember this show belongs on Barstools. I, yeah. I, barstool. I, I believe that. Just remember, stocks only go up. Uh, those are the immortal words of Davey Day Trader. Stocks only go up. That's what I've got. Eventually. Well, no, that's, that's his philosophy. In the day trading, it's all about how you will the stocks to only go up. Like he refuses to say that stocks go. Down. You have to. You have to watch one of the uh, the barstool rundowns that he's on. He goes into the whole thing. All right. So I am Mike Agliloro. Thank you everybody for listening. No matter how you listen to us, cousin David in the chat, Larry Schmelrose for joining us. Thank you all very much. Eric Tressler, Dave Hastings, always a pleasure. Pleasure, my friend. And once again, I am Mike Aglia Laura. We will see y'all next week.